Hear us herein, the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Neve, with books laid before the bear named M, to raid and retire around the long fire. Welcome. Episode seven. Yeah. Lucky number seven. Is that it? Oh, lucky number Nana. seven. <laughs> these, are, these are the two roads you can choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... We're we're reading Lockstyla Saga. Yeah. Um, the, what, 29 through... It is 24 through 39 chapters. Okay. Um, we, we're, in the, we're in the meat of it now. We got the, like, who I consider the main character of the saga now um, is here. So we, we've made some good progress. Um, I just like re glance over these chapters and I don't know if I would pick one person to be the, the main character of the saga. Yeah, but I mean, she's here. Okay. Um, to me, I think the main character of the saga is, uh, Gutherin. Okay. Um, we're going to get the most like focus on her and her various husbands, which, um, we get the beginning of here. That's so. fair. That's fair. Uh, but first we got, uh, Olivera and Thorgard getting married. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the chapter that I wish they would have included last time. Um, where, uh, so they got married, uh, and then they, they, uh, live together, uh, alternately on like, uh, farm and Thorthurgodi's farm. Uh, so like his, Olivera's father and his foster father. Yes. Um, and then, as Thurthurgodi is getting old, he's like, take over the farm, you know, before I die, uh, and then dies. And so they're kind of on there. Um, Hrapstathir, so if you remember, if people remember Killer Hrap, uh, the, the ghost haunting the previous, um, you know, sections of chapters that we read, uh, is adjacent, so they buy it. Um, but, you know, surprise, surprise, it's haunted. So, um, we get the confrontation with the the ghost uh, who snaps the spear. Uh, it's really got. important to point out that he his his help his like shepherds are like we can't go in there. Uh, he's like, what you're neglecting your duties? Like it's it's fucking haunted. The building's haunted. He's like, all right, I'm go with you. <laughs> and if I yeah. if I find some shit in there, no problem, no bad, no foul. But if I find out you were just shirking your duties, then you know maybe maybe I'm gonna have to do something about it. Maybe you're gonna lose your goddamn job. And yeah. goes in there and finds a lich man. And is like, all right, all right, my bad. <laughs> and I tried to stab him with my with my cool gold inlaid spear, and he just snapped it right off. And just then when snapped, they dug yeah. up the body, he was holding onto the spearhead underground. Yeah. Um. Some real like Icelandic ghoul shit here. Yeah, uh, it's really good. <laughs> I love when they like disappear underground. It's such a great, like I can just like see it in my head, the like imagery of it. Mm. Um, uh, the thing that I imagine is the, um, the, the animatronic from Hellboy, the like top half of that guy he digs out of the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. That is what I imagine this like dead body is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, uh, one, they, they dig up the body after that. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the spearhead is there, um, and they build a bonfire, burn the body, and then take the ashes out to sea. And then finally, the haunting's done. That's all you had to do was just burn the body and scatter the ashes in the sea. Um, then, uh, 
we get uh the stuff around uh Fruiter, um who who frees his, one of his slaves for all year uh gives him land that he thinks is his it's like on the the vi- dividing line between him and Hoskolders um but is actually in fact land uh belonging to Hoskolder um and so even after he's notified of this uh Fruiter's like no just keep living there it's fine um and so then uh Hoskolder's son Thorlaker goes out kills Hrolver uh, seizes all the property. Hrutir's um, pissed off about this, but like in the eyes of the law, there's nothing you can do. He was like a squatter, and I guess in medieval Iceland, being a squatter was grounds to to kill someone. So um, um, this Thorlaker guy sucks. For the record, yeah, <laughs> um, he's going to continue to suck. So. Yes. Um, but he does have he does have a, a child uh, named Bully. Yes, uh, which will be important. Yeah. Um. So, uh, <clears throat> dies. Um. Feel free to to jump in if I'm skipping over anything. No, no, no. But I'm this is partially just working sense, off yeah. my. Okay, I'm I'm partially just working off my notes that I wrote. Uh, because I did very loose notes. So yeah, I have I have not have to, open in front of me, and I'm just flipping yeah. through as we go. So, um. So uh he dies and requests that his three sons, uh, who are uh Barther, Thorlakir, and then Olivier, although Olivier's uh illegitimate, that they split the inheritance equally among them. Which <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he brings his two sons in and yeah. tells them that he wants them to split it three ways with the other guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh go to go to the illegitimate son and also split it with him. Yeah. Um and uh Barther's like, This is your wishes, sure. Like, you know, I'll, I'll do what you say, dad. Um, and Thorlaker's no, like, no, fuck that. <laughs> um, but, uh, then, well, Hoskuller goes behind his back kind of and gives Olivier like a number of valuable gifts to like mm. basically force it before he dies. Yeah. Um, which just, uh, pisses off Thorlaker, uh, even more. Um, um, and then Olivier's immediately like, uh, well, we got to do a big feast. We got to have the grandest mm. feast for dad that anyone's ever seen. Um, it'll cost us all a small fortune, but that's okay. We got new, we got a fortune now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, they go to the all thing and he just like goes, you know, inviting like basically all of the people who are gathered to this giant assembly of like all of Iceland. Yes. Uh, and it's just like, everybody's invited. Uh, we're going to have great gifts for everybody. Um, you know, any any notable men of the district, basically, you know, various yes. districts, uh, you'll you'll get gifts. Um, and the other two brothers are like, "You are going too far with this." Um, like uh, having a nice feast, that's that's good, but uh, you know, you're like giving away all of our stuff here. Um, but then when it actually comes time for the the funeral, he does m- more than his fair share, uh, doing the gifts and everything, and so. Um, ends up winning great respect for the brothers, and it seems like it kind of um helps a little bit with the tensions there that yeah, he's like the, giving so much. The, yeah, the main thing is they do all that, and then everyone's like, you know, they all spend a lot of money, but they all have a lot of glory. And then as everyone's like filing out, I assume it's just like you're standing there in like the empty field, like just fucking flagons lying in the grass or whatever. He goes, he turns to uh Thorlicker, and it's like, I know we've not particularly seen eye to eye. But what if I foster your son? Um, mm-hmm. Because to do that, just like 
socially means that I acknowledge that I am under you and uh, that'll smooth yes. things over even because I know we've not always gotten along and he does and they get on famously after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he fosters uh bully. This will become uh, important later on too. So, um, but we, we, we are getting the like full cast of characters are in place now. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, well, we, we've got, the various sons of Olivier and uh, Thorgarther. Um, so Kjartan is the, the the one that you really need to know about. Yeah. This is going to be the important one. He's Olivier's favorite. Uh, he's great. He's the um, same age as Bolly, almost as if they're going yes. to be rivals in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other ones are Stainthor, Haldor, Helgi, and Huskolder. So the, the last one they name after uh, his dad. Yeah. Um, and then they also have uh, daughters... Therithir, who I know at least she comes up uh, pretty soon. Um, and then uh, Beric Tharda and Thorbjörg, which those ones are funny because the roots, it's like the same two roots, but just swapped around. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, Haldor gets fostered elsewhere. Uh, yeah. So he's like, not good. I, don't, I don't think he really comes up at all. I could be wrong, but no, it's just um, really cool when a guy called Bercy the Dueler shows up and is like, "I'll yeah. take your son and foster him." And you're like, yeah, absolutely, Bercy, teach him to duel, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. Um. Oh, there's also an amazing um bit where um Bercy like takes sick, um, like at the first year that he has, he has uh, Haldor and like. The baby, he's just a baby, and he's taking care of him. Oh, yeah. He's sick. Everyone else is out of the house, and it's just him and this baby, and he's just like on his back, and the baby like uh, falls out of the crib, and he just like recites this. He's like, both of us lie flat on our backs, Haldor and I, helpless and frail. Old age does this to me, but youth to you, you've hope of better, but I, not at all. And then everyone comes in and is like, oh, dad's fell over at the baby. <laughs> It's so great because I think this is the first bit of verse we've gotten in this saga. Yes. Um, and so often in sagas, you'll get a bit of verse and it's like describing a battle or something, you yes. know, like there, there was some verse written about this. We're going to put it in here because we think it's important to like capture some of what the like original scald wrote about this battle or whatever. Yes. It's just funny that the very first time it shows up in here is just an old man and a baby. <laughs> Uh, and then it's like, uh, and then people came home, picked up the baby, and uh, Bur- uh, Bercy got better, and Haldor grew up to be a large, large strong, robust man. It's like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love this. I feel like uh, this is like the 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 thing in this saga is there's always stuff happening, but it's like this is the one that like it's weird because this is not like the uh, analog that is ever drawn in like literature, but like if you if someone wrote down what hobbits were up to, I feel like it'd sound like the saga. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um there there's like a there's a strange humor to this sometimes mm-hmm. in that like I don't always know to what degree are they just recording history mm-hmm. or do they think it's funny to like repeatedly have tensions build up that you would expect in these sorts of stories to like turn into open conflict and then it's just like and then they threw a party and afterwards he was like I'll foster your son and it was fine. Yeah. Um, there's all these like moments where just, uh, tent, like narrative tension is built up and then like gets a, a funny, uh, resolution. It so. is, it is interesting in like juxtaposition to the more dramatic ones like Volsunga Saga, where like 
you realize that the difference between everyone gets stabbed and dies and everything's fine is you just talk to people, agree to be nice every once in a while. It's not that yeah. hard. <laughs> um, this is something too that, cause, cause one of the, well, we'll get to, uh, Vutherin here, but I think there is an, like, interesting direct parallel of the two Vutherins, um, who have the multiple husbands. But I feel like there's just so much more, like, explanation about why, uh, marriages are going wrong and things, mm-hmm. um, where this feels far more, uh, potentially instructional about, like, yeah, you should check in with your daughter first, like, before this stuff. Um, you know, don't take bribes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, as you will get too soon. So, um, whereas right. that stuff happens in Volsunga Saga, but it's not like it's just happening constantly where everything's tragedy. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of this chapter is like, oh, while, while all this was happening, uh, Kjartaner and uh, Boli grew up to be big and strong. They're the best at everything, and they basically should be boyfriends. Wouldn't it be tragic if something happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure nothing tragic will happen to these boys. Um, then, uh, so we get the stuff with, uh, Germander Thunder, um, who, he like is a trickster who, who, uh, hides away on a, a boat, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and, uh, comes and ends up asking for Thurather's hand, uh, in marriage. Um, and well, I think he bribes Thorgerther, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then she ends up agreeing, uh, and gets Olivier to, to agree as well. Um, and so, uh, they get married and then after three years, he's like, eh, I'm, I'm done with be this, like being a husband and dad thing. I want to travel. Um, and so just like leaves behind Thorgerther and their, their one-year-old Groa, um, but then she takes a fairy out, uh, and swaps while he's sleeping, uh, swaps the baby for his sword leg biter. Um, and then he wakes up, but they've like, uh, bored holes in the, the like boat. So they can't go out on the boat. Um, so they can't catch up with the fairy. So on this like big ship, um, and so he curses the sword uh, yes. and says, that'll be the death of what well, it's, uh, that will be the death of the man in your family who will most or who'll uh, most be missed and least deserve it. Um, and then she's like, I know what I'll do with this. Cause she says, ah, I'll take the risk. I'm going to give it to bully. <laughs> Nothing bad's going to happen here. <laughs> bully should really ask questions about where, where she's getting swords from. Um, yeah. Love to just give a cursed sword to bully. Uh, the one who's the exact same age as Carton, the beloved one who would be most be missed. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that's when the wind picks up, and now that they're on the boat, uh, Girmander and his men sail out to sea, and they hit some rocks, and they fucking drowned, and that's the end of him. Not yeah. mentioned what happened to the baby. Is he still on the? Is the baby still on the boat? Did she just die too? I assume that Groa died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she is out of the saga. Don't don't worry about. Yep. <laughs> and then Groa was out of the saga. Um, then we get this dream that Oliver has. Um, <laughs> where a woman comes uh, and says you took my son from me and so you too will see your son covered in blood and it will be the one that you least want to part with um, <laughs> which uh, yeah and then uh, he was most 
inclined to believe those who said this dream was only a false indication of things to come. <laughs> You're missing the amazing uh, line right before that, where oh, yeah. the dream made a strong impression on him, and he told it to his friends, but no one could interpret it to him for his satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, guys, I had this crazy dream. Could you tell me what you think it means? This lady was like, you stole my son. Your son's doomed. Your favorite son will die. And they're like, uh... <laughs> um... I think the harvest will be good. <laughs> He's like, uh, oh, maybe. <laughs> I want to. I want to hope there's one guy who was like, "Well, it means that you fucking stole her son, and your son's gonna die and re- recompense." And he's like, "No, no, no, that can't be it. That's too on the nose." <laughs> um, yeah, I do feel like it's like people are telling. At least some people seem are probably saying your son's gonna die because uh, it does just seem like he's like. Uh, I'm only going to listen to the people who say that uh, this is this is just a it's not a prophetic dream. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> those are the people I care about. Um, the the dream of the eagle is not Atlee coming for revenge. It's like a, a gifts being given to you for being cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Then we learn about uh, Osweifer, um, and he has a bunch of kids, uh, and you know, lineage and everything. The one who, who matters here is Guthrin. Uh, we now have who I would consider the main character of this. Uh, I mean, also Carton and Bully are kind of part of that, but, um, mm. different Guthrin than before. Yes. Yeah. So this is, this is, uh, Guthrin Ozif Doter. Um, and she's immediately described as like beautiful, clever, shrewd, articulate, generous, just like basically the hottest shit. Um, which whenever people start, describing you this way in a saga like you gotta you just know tragedy's coming yeah Yeah, get in a boat and get the hell out of here (laughs) you don't want to be the favored child (laughs) truly um but uh then we get to so this is uh, i gave you a little preview but i i didn't fully explain it to you uh a character shows up who i don't i don't think is supposed to be odin but there are references happening to odin here Uh, and it's guest here um Where's so, and part of it here? is that, uh, so, so, uh, guest, obviously. Oh, there we go. Yes. In 33. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so guest here is like the cognate to the, the English word guest. Uh-huh. Um, and so sometimes like a, a guest might be Odin who's coming in disguise. Oh, okay. So that's part of the pun that's happening here. And then he rides a horse with a spear, which mm-hmm. are also two like common uh images of Odin, and then also seems to have uh knowledge beyond his like immediate sight. Like he comes and he is immediately able to identify the boys. Um all of this stuff would also be tied to Odin, who has like the the two ravens, Hugin and Moonin, who can like fly out every day and come back and report the news to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has like this far sight. So th- I think there's like a parallel being drawn here. I don't think this character is supposed to literally be Odin, but he is kind of coming in as like a Odinic figure mm-hmm. uh, to basically make a bunch of predictions <laughs> and do a bunch of interpretations. So. Um, well, she does have four incredibly like vivid dreams about uh, bad things happening to her in succession that form a narrative of like constant despair. Uh, to which guess is like, well, this is definitely just like your the rest of your life. Please enjoy yeah. the, rest of the saga. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, these are the these are your next four husbands. Um, yes. So yeah, first dream is um, a a headdress that she feels does not suit her, and she tears it off and throws it into the stream. 
Um, this one he interprets as, uh, basically, um, um, the idea of throwing in the stream being like something that you wouldn't want. Uh, so being like a divorce or something. Yes. Um, guess what's going to happen with her first husband? Yeah. Uh, second one is, uh, she treasures the silver arm ring greatly. She thinks it suits her really well. Uh, but then it slips from her wrist when she least expects it and falls into the river. Um, and he says, was he say that this, like, you're basically gonna love this man, but then he's gonna drown? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, then the third dream, uh, is a gold ring on her arm and though she likes it she thinks it doesn't suit her any better than the silver one which is odd because it's far more costly mm-hmm. um and then when she falls she puts out her hand to catch herself and it breaks when it like hits a rock and when it breaks one it bleeds which yes. is just not a good <laughs> omen uh and two um she's then able to inspect it and see that it had many flaws and that she was careless with it and that's why it broke um and so he's like ah your your third husband's going to uh, you know, you're not going to, uh, be as careful with him as you, you probably should be. Um, and then he will be killed. Um, and when he's dead, you almost clearly see the faults in your marriage. Um, and then the fourth dream, she wears a golden helmet set with gems. Uh, but it's so heavy that she has to bow her head when she wears it. Uh, but she doesn't blame it for this. Uh, but then it falls off, uh, her head into the waters of, uh, Kvam's Fjordur. Um, which is one of the the fjords. Um, and how does he interpret this one? I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, uh, so I feel fourth, like this is the guys have, Yeah, it's a yeah. fourth time husband will far surpass you. Uh, indicates the fourth husband will have an encounter with the same fjord on the final day of his life as the second husband. Can make no more of this dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the vaguest of them, but also yes. like he's going to surpass you and then we'll also have some sort of fateful encounter and probably die. Um, So those are her uh, four dreams and the interpretations by this Odinic figure. Um, But then let me see. Uh, Gester then travels on to Olivier's farm. um, And that's when he like immediately identifies Kjartan and Bully, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that he's never met them. Um, and predicts that Garten will be the better of the two men, but will be slain by Bully. Um, and then that will cause, like, Bully's death will also result from that slaying. Um, it's just a very bad prediction to suddenly <laughs> give. Uh, but sure seems in line with all the other, uh, bad omens. Yeah. Uh, Guest's, uh, son's like, Father, why are you crying? He's like, I've seen two great men die today. <laughs> <laughs> hard to be it's hard to be an odinic figure i guess yeah uh just very melodramatic um (laughs) i love him just like as a character to suddenly walk into the saga and then leave um (laughs) um yeah Uh, speak of the devil first husband shows up yeah um so uh approved without asking her first um, yes. and she expresses her displeasure, uh, does not think, um, this is Thorvaldir is his name, uh, yes. does not think that he buys her fine enough things, um, and also basically starts seeing a guy on the side, um, yes. named Thorther Ingerson, unrelated to any other Thorther we've had so far. Um, <laughs> just a new one. Just a common name. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's some where, like, 
like she is like indirectly related to uh bully and Kyarton, if you like mm-hmm. trace back the charts so some of this too is just like family names keep getting repeated uh but anyway um and uh one time when she wants really fine things Thorthir slaps her uh or no um sorry Thorvaldir slaps her um and then Thorthir uh suggests well if you make like a feminine shirt that has a a really low v neck um and he wears it then that's grounds for divorce because he's wearing uh, like he's cross dressing basically i do want to say before this the the bit where he slaps her she replies fine rosy color in her cheeks is just what every woman needs if she's to look her best and you've <laughs> certainly given me this to teach me not to displease you which is a real badass thing to say honestly yeah <laughs> um but yeah, this this begins a short period where we just talk about how if you violate gender norms, you basically are dead to culture here. Yeah. Um So, yeah, there's the she do, she does the shirt as the grounds for divorce, um and then she goes up to Thorthier one day and is like, "Uh, hey, I hear that your wife uh Arthur, she wears breeches with a codpiece. And he's like, I I don't know about that. Um, it's like everybody calls her breeches Arthur. And he's like, Do they? And she's like, Doesn't really matter how long they've called them now, if they if they keep calling her that, <laughs> then like we're good. Uh and they finally get catches the the hint here. Um and so they go to the all thing, they make the the accusations there. Um we get this great poem uh, that she says uh, after he declares the divorce and everything at the all thing. Um, and then she finally learns of it later and then says, uh, kind of him to leave me so and let me be the last to know. <laughs> uh, this um, is like a family guy cutaway. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> um, we don't even get any confirmation of whether or not she wears breeches, right? Like this is just a thing that I assume Guthrie makes up. Yeah, except she does then wear them when she goes to stab him. Yes. Uh, so she does put them on to ride the horse and go stab him. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's what happens next is, uh, she puts on some breeches. She gets on a horse, uh, rides out to where he's sleeping. Uh, this is like after he started setting up a, a home with, uh, Glutheran. Um, and he's like sort of rolls on his side. So it like hits his right arm and then like goes across his chest. Yeah. It made um, me seem like she just took a big like fucking swing and it like cut through yeah. half his arm and then like part of his chest. Cause they, they're like, oh, his chest healed, but his arm was useless the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, which doesn't seem to be that long of a life, but, no. uh, <laughs> and then yeah. she, she runs off and he makes up and is like, oh, it's probably her. You know, I could be mad, but she had cause. She had cause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did do her dirty, so uh I'm gonna I'm gonna let this one go. Yeah. <laughs> um but um yeah, then uh let me see. Uh so later he's asked by his mother uh to help her against so uh in all this uh this family of sorcerers has moved in. Yes. Um named Cockkettle. Uh, and then he has, uh, he has nine men, I guess. Um, yeah. and, uh, so, uh, his, his mother, uh, Thurther's mother wants help against him because, or help against this family because they're practicing witchcraft basically. Um, and so he goes out and, um, you know, makes a case, uh, 
basically says like i'm summoning you to a suit uh and then he gets on his boat and they all uh get up on their like little witchcraft um i forget how they describe it it's like a platform that they build yeah um and they they work their incantations um and a great blizzard comes up and it it scuttles the ship um it sinks and Thorthir dies in the sink uh in the sinking um yeah rip yeah um yeah this is an interesting part because we're getting like multiple social norm things mm-hmm. um and also um they're not fully describing what type of sorcery is is happening here uh but a, a f- there was some sorcery that was not but a, most sorcery was considered feminine uh so this is also kind of a gendered thing that these like uh, caught kettle and his like men are practicing it. Uh-huh. Um, this is actually something that's like weird about Odin. Um, is that he specifically is said to practice Sathir, which is a type of sorcery that is basically like sex magic. Um, and he never gets like accused except by Loki in the like during Ragnarok. Uh, nobody ever like accuses him of, of uh, you know, Ergi of being like unmanly by doing the this uh, type of magic, but. Generally, it would be frowned upon. So, what is... Loki also does this magic, but people accuse him of it all the time. <laughs> okay, I was like, "What is?" I don't understand in like a like a uh, what I want like a good. It's this is like a theistic place, but like there's a bunch of different gods around. I just don't understand what like her- heretical witchcraft looks like in this kind of religious context because I'm so used to like a post Christian context for this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think some of it is, like, essentially, like, who who would normally be allowed to practice mm. certain things, um, and so the the fact that, like, like, Othan be- is sort of special being a man who is allowed to practice it, um, uh-huh. in, a, in a way, but some of it is also, like, kind of framed around, uh, like, gifts, so especially, um, uh, there's like a class of women uh, that were Velva, uh, which is like seers, basically. And that was like sort of a gift that people would have. Um, so, and you could like see the future and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it a lot of it is kind of like tied to uh, gender role stuff. Um, and so there was this term, Sathmother, which is like a man who practices Sathir. Um and this was this was like viewed as being unmanly or possibly even homosexual. So, um. uh, and then uh, my other point is, um, Thorthir's the silver armlet that's like the best guy she's ever going to be with. Man, we've really fallen standards wise. <laughs> <laughs> this guy sucks. Um, well, it it's the thing of like, I I think there's a thing happening here of like, this is probably the, the man that she most would have just been happy with. Mm. Um, where Carton, like both Carton and, and the fourth guy who I'm not going to give away yet, but maybe people can guess are going to be considered like better men in society. And that's why they are gold and not silver. Um, but they don't suit her as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, or at least, like, not in the way that this one just seems to be, like, ah, I just like this one. I'm, like, most fond of this one. So, mm-hmm. um, 
But yeah, I mean, he he does seem kind of middling, uh, which is is funny. Yes, <laughs> given how much she descri- she's described as just like the hottest shit. So yeah. Um, anyway, it turns out she's pregnant and has a kid and names after him. Yep. So we have another Tharthir, Tharthir the cat. Um, so uh, we don't get how that nickname gets applied uh, described to us, but um. So yeah, uh, after this, uh, Cot Kettle and his kin are driven out of the district, um, and when they reach uh, Comsness, they convince Thor Lakir, um, who again is uh, Holskold's son, um, to let them live nearby in exchange for their fine horses. They have like these great horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's hesitant at first, but he convinces, or the, uh, Cot Kettle convinces him, um, especially with the bribe of horses. Um then, uh, and people are a little upset by this, but like Thor Laker's a, a pretty powerful man in this district, so nobody's going to do anything yet. Um, and I think I forget who gives the advice that's like, you know, if after a while, uh, he hasn't gotten fed up with this, then we can like take some action, but let's like hold back, see if he gets fed up with them, uh, being so close to his, his property. Um, but anyway. Um, at the all thing, there's this man named L dreamer, uh, who wants to buy the horses from Thor Lake here, but he's just like, no, uh, no money. Uh, doesn't matter how much you offer me. I'm not going to sell you these horses. Um, and so he goes to steal them, which <laughs> the description of like, uh, Hooter running out to, to like confront him and everything is pretty great. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, there's some great dialogue here. Let me see if I can find the exact. Um, there's hardly much. So this is uh, Hrithir replied. There's hardly much pre- uh, prestige in driving the horses off while Thor Lake here is in bed asleep. Uh, if you really intend to keep your word, as the two of you agreed, you should face him before you ride off with his horses. Elgrimmer said, tell Thor Lake here if you wish. As you can see, I left home prepared to meet him and brandished the barbed spear, which he held in his hand. He was also wearing a helmet and a coat of mail with a sword at his waist and a shield at his side. I'm not about to make the journey to Comsness on my slow legs, but I don't intend to stand by while Thor Lakeir is robbed, if I can do anything about it. <laughs> Even if he's no favorite relation of mine, said Fruitier. <laughs> you don't mean you intend to take the horses from me, asked Eldrimer. I'll offer you other horses instead, if you let loose these, although they're no match for them, said Fruitier. Good of you to make the offer, Eldrimer <laughs> replied. Uh, but now that I've got my hand on these horses of Thor Lakeir's, neither bribes nor threats will let, make me let go of them. Hooter then answered, that I'm afraid your choice will turn out badly for both of us. And then he just, like, immediately axes him in the back with his halberd. <laughs> yes. Um, just a, a great little exchange. Uh, it's um, worth pointing out here that Hooter is an old-ass fucking man. Because yeah, like, he's yeah. over 80 when he did this deed, and everyone's shocked about it. Mm. Uh, um, there's even a bit where Thorlaker's like Thorlaker believed he could have totally taken that guy and it didn't have to be an old man who did the dirty deed. Yeah, basically Thor Thorlaker gets upset because he's like, You should have just come like got me. If you could kill him, I could have gone out there and killed him. And then I would have the renown, but instead you're getting the renown? Like you sh- what you need to do is come tell me. He's like pissed off that like Fritter protected his horses, basically. Uh instead of coming and getting him. Um, I feel like the implication of this, though, is that Hrithir got a really lucky shot, and that is not a guarantee. Uh-huh. 
yeah, it seemed like almost in some ways that uh, El Dreamer like didn't expect that much and was just planning to run away, and then mm. he just got a good shot at the uh, uh, you know, the mail coat split us under yes. uh, at the blow, which is also a thing that's like not not really supposed to happen. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, but anyway, because of this, um, Thor Laker goes out and asks his tenants, uh, Cock Kettle and his family, uh, to do something to discredit Hurter. Uh, so they go to his farm and they chant until everyone falls asleep and then they kill their, his youngest son, Cowrie. Uh, which is just a intense, this doesn't feel like discrediting to me. <laughs> no. Um, I feel like discrediting would be a little bit more like secret rather it's than weird, just they, they describe it like everyone's enchanted except this this 12 year old who wanders out of the house and what what is raging is like magic but they describe it almost as if there's like a storm and the storm just strikes in bed yeah it's very evocative um i th- i thought that what was happening is that they all succumbed and that he since he was the target mm-hmm. like was specifically did not just fall asleep, but then became like controlled to walk outside. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, the description of just like walking out into the magic and the magic killing him is, is great. Um, so, uh, after this, uh, Hunter goes to Olivier for support. Um, and Olivier goes out and, uh, you know, kills Cot Kettle and his men. Um, so, uh, Cot Kettle, Grima, and, uh, Hallowbjorn are all caught at first, um, while Stigandi ex- escapes, um, and, um, what, there's a, is it Hallowbjorn who, who, uh, curses Thor Laker before he dies? Um. Because um, then I know when they, when they catch Stigandi, they, they put a, bag over his head to try and prevent him from yeah, being able to see uh, something like Halbjorn says that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if there's much to the curse other than just like, your life is going to suck. Everything here sucks and everyone who takes your place will know nothing but ill fortune. And then they drowned him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great way to ensure the last thing anyone said probably is coming true. I probably just not kill someone who did that to me. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so then when later they find Sagandi through, uh, the, so there's a slave woman. I forget, if she, I, f- I forget if she gets named. So I don't think they mention. No, her I don't name think most. so. Yeah. Um, but she uh has seen. She describes the man. They think that it's Sagandi. Uh, so then she pays for her freedom uh, in exchange for helping to catch him. Uh, he comes. She's like, "Oh, come, put your head in my lap, and I'll look for lice uh, in your hair." And then when he falls asleep. Uh, she like sneaks out, goes and gets them. Um, and before he can like fully wake up, they, they pull a bag over his head so that he can't see anything and curse it before he dies. Um, like Huddlebjorn did. Uh, but there's a small tear in the sack and so he can see some land growing and he curses it. And so the grass never grows there again. That's pretty sick. Um, this is like very yeah. cool. It's like, inst- they describe it as being instantly as if it was hit by a tornado. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh then they stone him to death. So um uh after all of this, uh Olivier then goes to Thor Laker and is like uh bef- like before any other issues start up, 
especially with like like Hruter is like pissed at you, even though I've killed all of the the sorcerers. Um, still thinks that you have to pay up to. Um, so in order to avoid causing issues, you should go to Norway. Um, or basically you should leave. Um, yes. And Thor like here's like sure, and he goes to Norway. Um, most of their family there uh, are like dead or not around anymore. Uh, so he goes to to Denmark and then eventually settles in Gotland, uh, where he spends the rest of his days. I think he's out of the saga. <laughs> the the way in which they give him the send off, uh, specifically, according to most people, Thorlaker was not one to grow old gracefully, but was nevertheless yeah. respected as long as he lived, which makes it sound like he was just an enormous pain in the ass everywhere he went <laughs> till yeah. the end of his days. Um, and just people being like, well, you kind of got to respect it. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, and then uh, his son Bully though stays in the fosterage of Olivier. So it's like an aside <laughs> to remind you that Bully is around and this is going to matter if yeah. I come up against. Like I'll go because I know that you're going to take you're going to do my son Bully a solid. He's like, of course, Bully's like a son to me. He's like my own flesh and blood. I would not think to do anything bad to Bully, and no harm will ever come to him. Now please leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And then Carton and Bully they grow up. They they continue to basically be bros. You know. Yeah. Um, they're just the best of bros. Um, and then Carton starts seeing Vuthrun and Olivier's like, now wait a minute. We've got my dream. We've got Gester's prophecy. We've got the dreams that Vuthrun is having. I'm getting, I'm getting bad vibes from this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically where we end off. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I wonder sure. who her next husband will be and what will happen to him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, who uh, could don't say? marry a guy who's already got a death prophecy uh, and then probably marry the guy he grew up with who's going to be his like slightly less as good, but uh, tragic second, you know? Yeah. Um, especially if you already have a prophecy about <laughs> your third and fourth husbands. Yeah. Um, but... They all soldier on. So, um, I enjoyed these chapters a lot. This is, yeah. this is getting into like why I really like this saga. Um, where I feel like you're getting some good, uh, there's like a little bit of romance stuff going on. Uh, I feel like some of the humor is, is coming out even more here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just has, um, I know that there's like, even the beginning, like little intro page of this saga is like some people attribute this to be a saga written by a woman because it's about the lives of women. And it definitely is like more present, right? Like the the relationship between men and women as they exist as like parents and landholders and people make decisions is like inherent to this book in a way it has not been for the other sagas we've read. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but in a way that like just feels more realistic to me not realist in like the capital R sense necessarily, but like this, this could be like, this could be like stories about like the, the, like the West in like America. This could be stories about just like anywhere where there are people who are kind of left their own devices and family clans arise. And, uh, the, the tiny dynasties of farmers are threatened by bad decision-making of one guy who's got too many cattle or whatever this story feels of a type of that, right? Um, yeah. And those have to be the stories by their very nature of the people who run those households, which are men and women working together. Cause that's just what a family unit's always been um, historically. Um, 
which is like they just feel like this could have this could be written about like any group of people. If you wrote this, I I'm watching like I'm watching Satan Tonga, which is about like Hungarian farmers. Um, yeah, and, and like like in the middle of the 20th century and it doesn't feel that different from this you know <laughs> like people mm-hmm. are always living under these conditions um it's great too because uh we will like i i think um that robin Kell's saga is like remarkably masculine uh mm. there's like hardly yes. any women yes and we're going to read other sagas where I think you will more often get the wife, but the wife is often going to be in this position where, um, she's fairly silent. Uh, at some point the husband might like, uh, hit her once and then she'll be like, you'll rue this day. And then he'll clearly rue that day. Um, or she will be upset about her kinsman and and you'll get like a brief scene of her going and And we got that in Volsunga, right? Like that's kind of the mode Volsunga operates in. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like that, but like often the family drama in that feels so much more yes. between families, mm. um, or it's just like the the women prodding the men to do things sometimes. Yes. Um, and this one, I feel like you get more actual dramas within families, yes. uh, which is something I enjoy a lot about it. So yeah. This is the one where I'm like, you know, we've only read three, but I wouldn't be surprised if going through a couple seasons, this is the one where I'm like, all of this could easily have just happened. I would not bat an eye if all of this was just true. Like there's a history written down between a bunch of families. Uh, that's just yeah. how grounded it is. Like, obviously there's like ghosts and Odin might be kicking around or whatever, but, and there's like magicians causing blizzards and tornadoes and shit. But um, everything about the personal interactions just feels very real. And it just makes yeah. it like a delight to read as everyone kind of like, bounces from feud to feud and bad marriage to bad marriage that's just people yeah well and even the stuff with the ghosts i mean um people today still believe in ghosts yeah like yeah, yeah. uh it, it's totally believable to me that people not that they're necessarily were these ghosts but that people would believe that these yes. ghosts haunted lands yeah um like my wife emily believes in ghosts she lived in savannah which is uh famously thought to be a, a haunted uh city um and fully believes that some of the places that she lived in were haunted so mm-hmm. uh i don't believe in ghosts but i respect that she had has had haunting experiences so i am a <laughs> ghost agnostic but i would like to believe um i've had one potential ghost encounter and i don't believe and i i can't explain why <laughs> yeah that's fine um, yeah, that's that's the but, most valid i think that's a very valid stance to have yeah um, um but yeah this is this is really good it's not like outrageously funny like some of the other stuff we've read is but it, it just has like the energy of a thing that feels vital in a way that like volsung is mythic and it, there's just a world of difference between the two things right yeah um and i do like robin Kells, but like so yeah, much I of like it's too so so much of its strength is being like very concise and yes. very like it feels like a parable or something yes. again we talked about like we don't know what it's a parable for necessarily but <laughs> yeah. like it feels like it because of how like uh tight the structure is mm-hmm. how limited the cast is this is more like weird and sprawling and you've got like a weird ensemble cast going on yeah. uh but also yeah I, all of the interactions like i it's one of the ones where i most clearly have a sense uh, when a character is like a, a named character who gets like scenes, um, yeah. I have a sense of who that person is to some degree. Yes. Um, I can kind of envision them and see their relationships to other people. Um, 
in a way that wasn't always true with some of the other ones. So, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, this is almost, this is the thing that like dramas in real life that are not like super like low key dramas, I guess, like just a nice little melodrama um, are pitched almost as like an anti parable in that, like the lesson is depicted by the absence of like monumental put a pin on it stories being told, right? Like, life is seeing like relating to the individuals going through actions and projecting yourself onto them and seeing how they react and reflecting with your own inner life and what that means. And the other two sagas just haven't had the space for that the way this does, or this is like, I see myself in like decisions of this person made. And um, maybe you do just need to like be the better person and foster someone's son, like whatever the modern version of that right is. You gotta like, yeah, uh, take a small L to make the family unit work better. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and you've got examples of, people doing it well and then things get resolved and then you've got some people who don't and then you can kind of learn the lessons from that but yes um in ways that are far less like uh didactic and preachy of like uh really clearly moralizing all the actions they kind of just let you see the fallout of actions and and come to your own conclusions so um (laughs) yeah um, the, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I do still wish that we could have gotten the the end of um of the ghost uh, killer rapper last time, just to to like put a, a pin in that. But uh, it was great to to read the little bit uh, this time. Yeah. See how he ends. <laughs> um. Did it, we got? Do we get another ghost too? I mean, there I was a brief a- mention that um, one of the uh, wizards haunts the area where they the body wash up. Oh on shore. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, Hobblebeard washes on yes. shore and briefly haunts, but then um, I don't even know if they do much to. I guess they just like did they just bury the body? I think. Yeah, he's um, placed in a shallow grave at a spot called Kiar Arnez and haunts the haunted the area frequently. And that's the last that you hear about that. Yeah. Um This is a great too where uh like all of the ghosts in this um there's it's it's even more uh I think agnostic in its presentation but um uh like far more recent Icelandic work uh independent people has a a like ghost who haunts the land as a um main motif uh but the presentation is like in a way that feels more agnostic to this where you don't actually see encounters or when you do there's like a clear plausible explanations for them so Mm -hmm. um this one in particular i feel like uh feels like more of like an influence on stuff that uh laxness was doing because i think he's also more invested in these like within a family drama so Mm -hmm. um I forget if this was, I know there's one, uh, that he did a, um, modern Icelandic translation of where it didn't do the old Norse, uh, which, I mean, a lot of it is just changing changes in spelling and things like that. Uh, but it was very controversial at the time. I forget if it was this or, uh, it may have been Robin kills, but, um, he was kind of a controversial figure for wanting to like contemporize things sometimes. Um, anyway, 
Uh, oh no, it was it was uh, Robin Kelsaga was the one he did. Um, yeah, I think I don't have too much else to say here. I'm excited for us to continue on. Yeah, no, it's just good, you know. Um, I like well, well, the, the <laughs> thing with getting into these longer ones. We're not going to have obvious big conclusions every time, but uh, good. It's good saga. Yeah. Um. Oh, the the one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, that is, I guess, like semi-related to some of this stuff. So, um, a, a note with uh, Gvuthrun as like the the character here. Um, I don't think that, like, there's no definitive conclusion around this stuff. Uh, but one weird thing that sometimes come up, comes up, I've seen a few scholars talk about this is, um, so if you do the, the Nibelungli, there's a lot of names that have like very clear cognates between the two. Um, so you have like Seerther and then Siegfried, um, like Gunther and then, uh, Gunnar, things like that. Uh, but Gluthrin's counterpoint, uh, counterpart in the Nibelung Glide is, uh, Kreemhilder. Um, and so there is like questions about how Gluthrin becomes the, the name here. Um, and so I, I've seen some people bring it up as being like, is, is some of, is there some actual like cross pollination happening between Volsunga Saga and, um, like style of saga that has resulted in like a few details where you get like stronger parallels. Um, since both of them are talking about like divorce and failed marriages and things. <laughs> um, but nothing concludes. That's all speculative stuff. So, um, I think that's it. You have anything yeah. else? No, uh, I enjoyed this. I'm excited to read more. Um, Next time, you can always check the schedule. Obviously, it's linked on the website. Abnormalmapping.com slash longfire. But we're reading chapters 40 through 56. Yeah. And then we have a break week. So we'll finish it up after the break week. Yes. Um, I I don't know how we would record with without that break week because I'm going to be out of town for quite a while. So. I will just be here, but I will yeah. be editing and mapping. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can find me on co-host at EM dash being. You can find all my podcasts at normalmapping.com. Um, what's, what's up? We had a, oh, me and Jackson have a Star Trek podcast. It only comes around like once or twice a year. And we just did a new episode. It's called Second Officer Slog. Uh, you can just find it on the website, normalmapping.com. We covered season one of Lower Decks, which is a Star Trek cartoon uh, that is currently about to have its fourth season next year. Um, and I think it's incredible. I think it's a really good show. And we talked about season one. Jackson has been very resistant because it's a uh, show run by a guy who wrote for Rick and Morty and uh, has kind of it looks kind of like Rick and Morty. And so everyone's very negative about it. Uh, and I think it's actually really good and thoughtful and people should fucking watch it. Um don't be a hater just because it looks like every other cartoon. Unfortunately, that's conditions under which cartoons must be made if you want to make a cartoon. Yeah, that's that's a lot of uh, Western cartoons for adults. Yeah, have a, a very distinctive uh, visual style. I think. Um. Uh, you have anything else or 
Am I plugging now? Uh, no, that's that's it. I think. Yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the other thing I'll say is that you're you all are finishing up SD Gundam Force very soon. Yeah, I was going to um, say that for next week, but yes. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 you can go ahead. Uh, do we <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just excited about it because I have my toddler do the sorter for the suits. So. Oh yeah, if you would like to hear uh, that, uh, we have we have two kids, two actual human children reporting in this season, and your toddler is one of them, um, and it's great. Because uh, they could not yeah. be more different lists. <laughs> yeah, no, a, a lot of uh, you showed me the like top four or the top ten or whatever yeah. from the other list, and I was like, oh, these are like the bottom <laughs> of my yes. top. List. Yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I, I'm I'm proud. Uh, my toddler has a, I think, a respect for the classics. So, um, yeah. <laughs> some of that's maybe the fact that I watch the classics. So, um, you know, you know what they say: education begins at home. Yeah. <laughs> I have to teach my child about Shamaro early. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you can follow me at Fox Omnia on Twitter and co-host. Um, I just totally had a blank. Uh, if you go there, I think for both of them, I have pinned tweets that show all of my uh, podcasts. Um, we are plugging along in ornate stairwells on doing uh twin peaks but we are we are taking a break to do die hard next and then also um we're gonna do like a end of year bonus episode so we'll be back in the new year you are maybe the only podcast in the entire world where i'd be interested in hearing you talk about die hard especially in the context of being a christmas movie which is like (laughs) true actually but i hate the culture around saying this so much yeah um, I mean, it's Autumn's favorite Christmas movie, and I don't think I've seen it. So, yeah. uh, last year we did my favorite Christmas movie, so we might as well. What did what'd you do? I don't remember. Uh, Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, yeah. I've, you know what? I listened to the episode, but I've forgotten about it because I've not actually watched Tokyo Godfathers. It's good. You should watch oh. it. I should, but it's anime, so I'm not going to. Is it anime? <laughs> Is it not anime? It's, it's an animated film made in Japan. It's anime. Yeah, it is anime. <laughs> but anime Janai. <laughs> yeah. If if uh Double Zeta cannot be anime. <laughs> I have I have another much more important pressing anime film to watch in the next couple weeks. So that one's gonna have to be backburnered, unfortunately. Okay. I'm just saying you like Christmas, so I do like Christmas. Um there a baby is saved by a literal Christmas miracle. So That's that's good. Um, um Anyway, uh, my other, if people care about anime, they can go listen to Ghost Divers. Um, we are in the middle of Kino's journey. Um, and next year we're going to do Iron Blooded Orphans. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and Pondering Pluton is fun. <laughs> it's short. Listen to it. Um, that's, I, that's all I have. Uh, yeah. That's it, I guess. We don't have a yeah. big denouement. We talked a bunch yesterday on an episode for a podcast that will not be out for another two weeks. So sorry. Yeah. Um. Uh, but that uh, took up all our gabbing time, I guess. Unless you want to talk about uh, Persona. Do you want to talk about Persona? You don't want to talk about Persona. No, I don't. I haven't. The thing is, I haven't watched it since. Uh, yes. I watched it the year that I figured out I was trans, uh, which is a long time ago now. So, 
Uh, that was the last time I watched it. I watched it also like in high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've watched it many times, but, um, not recent enough that I want to talk about it. So, yeah. um, and we have plans to watch it on stairwells eventually. So I thought, I think that's just when we'll talk about it. But, uh, I mean, that movie's great. Oh, I love it. Good. I liked it a lot. I was very surprised um, by it. Uh, Cause I've like, I'm not, I have that big Bergman, Bergman box set. I'm working through it very slowly. I skipped ahead. I was like, I'm going to go through this in order. And then I realized that's stupid. I should just watch the ones that interest me when I, uh, the mood arises. Um, and, um, I've had a very up and down relationship with his work, but man, that one's a fucking banger. Yeah. He, I think he's like, one of, I think he's my favorite director where there's a fair number of movies that I've seen from him that I don't actually like that much. Mm. Um, and there's also a lot that I haven't seen because of that. Uh, but also the ones that I like, I really like. So I um, saw seventh seal in a period of my life where the idea of contemplating my own mortality was terrifying. And I was very avoidant and resistant to that fact, which could be anywhere between 14 and six months ago. Um, and, um, I don't remember when I, I watched it like a long, long time ago at this point. Um, and it just really put me off of his work for a very long time. Cause I was like, I don't want to be upset like this. Um, I'm a little more normal now. Um, yeah. someday, I, I think next year is the year I revisit uh, Sun and Seal. Um, um, I'm expecting to really like it this time. <laughs> yeah. I, I probably watched it around the time that you watched it. Uh, it was when I was in high school as well. Oh. This is when I, I watched, I got into like Bergman and French films and also the start of me getting into Japanese films. Um, and yeah, I watched like Persona, uh, Seventh Seal, Wild Strawberries, and sawdust and tinsel i think okay all like within like a couple weeks because uh they were ones that like our local video store had um and i watched seventh seal at a time when i was already deeply into contemplating my my death and mortality because i was just a very depressed punk kid um who was like vaguely aware of the fact that i was like uh smoking cigarettes because they were killing me slowly and that made me like less likely to try to kill myself faster so i've never i've <laughs> never been fatalistic in this way i just didn't have this kind of like youth um no death drive in me just a deep fear of uh nothingness yeah this is the thing when people are like i don't understand why anyone would smoke cigarettes don't they know that they kill you and i'm like that is why i was smoking them <laughs> So my thing is, um, is like everything I do is going to slowly kill me one way or another. Um, I like, I smoke because I like smoking this is why I eat French fries. I like French fries. Like, I don't do it every day, but every once I'm going to fucking smoke. I don't, I don't feel yeah. the need to apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I smoke a lot less now, yeah. uh, especially with, uh, being on estrogen, but, um, I've never, I've yeah. never been a habitual smoker. There was a brief period where I smoked pretty frequently and uh, I, I, I mostly prefer cigars cause I don't even make the kind of cigarettes I like anymore. Um, yeah. and, uh, so I just have a cigar. Maybe I maybe have like two cigars every, I've just recently gotten back to the habit of trying to get out of the house and go to the cigar place and have some cigars. So maybe like one, every once every two weeks I go and have two cigars. If that kills me, sure. It was going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I smoked uh, often enough in high school that I'm surprised that I never developed an, an, an addiction. Uh, mm. when I decided to stop, I just stopped and I'm kind of amazed I was able to do that. So you might just um, not have hit your brain. There's some people just don't get it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Biology's weird. Um, I, 
and again, like it it was very much a like fatalistic thing I was doing. <laughs> so, yes. um, part of the the switch flipping where I was like, I should stop smoking this so much, is when I was like, I actually do want to continue to live. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe that made it easier to quit. Um, but also I know all the chemical stuff. I I think I just got lucky with. Um, oh, I also watched Thirst back then. Um, this is another uh Berkman film. Oh, okay. I have not seen that one. Um, I feel like there's a period where there's some interesting stuff, but like the problem with trying to watch through his stuff uh in like chronological order is um the the Berkman <laughs> box set is not in chronological order. It's like really weirdly designed. Huh. It's like they wanted to make like if you were at a hypothetical film festival that was like going through his entire filmography in like in like 14 nights or whatever, this is how that's how they structure it. Huh? Yeah. It's a real, it's very expensive. I got this on sale, like at a 50% yeah. sale. It was like my big present to myself last Christmas. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a big investment, but it seems really well considered and it comes with an enormous fuck off book. And, um, I've been slowly picking at it now and then. I, I spent the entirety of 2022 not watching movies, basically, but we're back in it. So, yeah. Remember I, last year when my uh, resolution was, I'm going to watch every Blu-ray I own. And then I <laughs> spent the entire year not watching movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel I, one bit of bad about it. It's fine. <laughs> I still have a few Blu-rays that I, I own and have not watched. I have a lot of them. Um, I guess I have a fair amount because I got that, that Shaw Scope box. Yes. Uh, so there's a fair number in there I haven't watched. Um, I also got the, um, oh, what's the director for Tatsuo? Oh yeah. I have that box set and I've yeah. not watched a single film since getting that box set. <laughs> uh, yeah. I haven't watched a single thing from it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen Tatsuo and I've only um, seen Tatsuo. Oh, I, I've seen, uh, the sequel to Tatsuo. Um, and then I think like the, the bullet one. Oh, is that in there? Is the bullet one in there? I've seen the bullet one. Bullet one, I remember really yeah. thinking was bad. So, uh, not the bullet man. There's a different one. Oh, okay, that's the. I think I saw that one, and I was like, yeah. I, at the, back years ago at this point, and I was like, this, this ain't it. Bullet ballet. That's the one that's in it that I've seen. Oh, okay, I was thinking of uh, the like third Tetsuo movie or whatever. Yeah, I've not seen that one. CG in it. It's not good. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I, I should watch some of that, and then I also got the. Um, like Love and Eros or whatever, uh, or La- Love and Anarchy, I think is the name of the box set. Um, that is this one director. Um, this is also from Arrow. I got it, uh, purely based on the fact that it was just the kind of like, um, art theater guild Japanese stuff that I love. Um, Oh, we must be looking, so, I'm looking at a different box set. I do not know what box set you're talking about. Yoshida Kiju. Oh, okay. Um, so, you yeah, he did. Love and Anarchy box set, you get a Liener Wurtmiller uh, Kino Classics collection. <laughs> no, not not that one. Um, yeah, it has uh, Eros and Massacre um, is the big one, but then there's a, a couple other of his films in there. Um, yeah. Uh, Heroic Purgatory and Coup d'etat, I think, are the other two. Okay. Um, there's two versions of Eris and Massacre, and I watched the shorter one, and there's a longer cut as well. So um, I need to watch through those, but 
the rest, I haven't w- always watched the Blu-ray. I've seen the movies though. Mm-hmm. Even I haven't watched the exact Blu-ray copy I have. So um, I have so many unwatched movies, probably like a full two years worth. And yet I'm literally shopping for Blu-rays right now. So, <laughs> um, it, it, that is how it works. Uh, <laughs> Kino Lorber announced, uh, one of my friends retweeted this Kino Lorber announcement of this silent avant-garde like collection of, uh, or like black and mostly like early like 1920s looking ass movies nice i'm gonna send this to you because it seems like it might be up your alley too and i i'm like i haven't seen fucking any of these um and it's relatively cheap and i was like damn yeah let's go um not that what i'm about to say is silent avant-garde but uh i still have not shown um time i'm drawing such blanks with names right now Buster Keaton. I still have not shown a Buster Keaton movie to Autumn, and I feel like I just need to to be like, like watch the comedy silence, just like get silent movies. Yeah. Um, if you I if you can't those. enjoy Buster Keaton, then like you're you're <laughs> you're cursed. There's like, no I don't know saving what to do with you. you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I love Buster Keaton so much. I'm like kind of underwatched. I um got into that's not true i've like silent movies ever since i saw them like i think i started the metropolis which is a ludicrous one to start with but you know that's how it goes <laughs> yeah. um and um i just fell really into chaplin and i've watched a couple keatons and they're great um but i think ultimately i'm like a chaplin feature person um modern times is just straight up my favorite movie i'd love to see something supplanted someday but it hasn't happened yet <laughs> yeah um i think that buster keaton is just funnier yes no that's true that's 100 yeah. true um chaplin also often has like make... another heart to it but yes uh, yeah keaton keaton could never make modern times and like that's fine right no like that's not i shouldn't ask that of him yeah but like chaplin couldn't make sherlock jr not a million yeah. years <laughs> yeah no <laughs> um I, I i always forget if it's um modern times or was it City Lights? Is that another Chaplin that film? That is another Chaplin film, yes. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was getting the wrong name there. Um, there's a great line in uh, Angels of the Universe where um, the main character gets uh, stood up for on a date and they're going to go to see, I think it's Modern Times. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, why couldn't it have been one of the funny Chaplin ones? Then it would be fine. But like, you can't stand someone up for, for one of the sad Chaplin movies. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're talking about movies now. <laughs> we do this every time. It's either anime or movies. I, I like know. movies. It's great. This is what I'm looking for. <laughs> this is, this is why I said yes to the podcast. Cause otherwise, when do I get a chance to sit down and just shoot the shit with you? Yeah. So it's much like harder. Over stairwells where the back part is the part where it just goes forever about bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how we just front load all of that in stairwells. But, yes. Um I think it works. Yeah. Um I mean we then also do the the non-homophobic zone as we call it. <laughs> um yeah. I the the time worked out on this last episode where I was like getting a little I was like is there nothing after the music? Am I getting stood up by my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, a little something. It was fine. But yeah. lately it's been like there's like 20 damn minutes after the music. <laughs> Yeah, we uh we like 
hit record and then went into the episode. Normally yeah. we do like before we actually get into the episode. That's what ends yeah. up at the end. Uh, so there's a part where mostly me monologued and then Autumn came back and talked a little mm-hmm. uh, when they were gone for a bathroom break. And I decided to excise it and put in uh sad Dolly Parton Christmas song. Yeah. Um, so. All right. We're going to go because I do have to edit this. Yeah. It's almost 10 o'clock. So <laughs> I got to read uh, some Nana. I'm almost done. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll go well and have a fulfilling resolution that will not never be left hanging for the end of time. I like the way that it ends. <laughs> it's really good. I'm not. You, yeah. I mean, look, I was on a podcast with you telling you I thought it was great. Um, so it's fine. Um, we'll, we'll see if uh, Connor and I are able to record this on Saturday since mm-hmm. he has he has COVID. So, yeah. Um, but. Hopefully. Okay, that's it. We gotta get fucking leave. We gotta go. Uh, thank you everyone. I hope you enjoyed this. We'll be back next week for more Lox Saga. Until then, we are out of the podcast. We, then we are out of the podcast. <laughs>